Shalom, everybody. Hope everyone's having a good day. Thank you for tuning in and joining me. In today's segment, I'll give a brief overview about the history of Rome, the early church, and the origins of Christianity. We will see why it's important to know who the real Jews are and how prophecy has been fulfilled through the Roman Empire. So before we get started, I'll give a very brief uh, background of myself. I was born and raised in the South. I grew up in the AME Church. AME means African Methodist Episcopal. Um, I later joined a non-denominational church around the age of 18, I believe. And I left the church altogether in 2020. I identify as an Israelite. And I live my life according to the scriptures. I follow the commandments of the Most High. And I have faith in his son, Yahushua. So essentially, I live by the gospel plus the Torah. So, let's get started. The question I ask is, is Christianity of the Most High? Think about that as we go through this history. So, long story short... Christianity is a religion of Rome. How and why is that important? We shall see. Let's start in Daniel chapter 2. So in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he couldn't remember it. Long story short, the Most High gives Daniel the interpretation and he breaks it down for Nebuchadnezzar. In the dream, Nebuchadnezzar saw a statue. It had a head of gold, which represented him, kingdom of Babylon. The chest and arms of silver, which were the Medes and the Persians. The belly of brass, that was the Greeks. The legs of iron, Rome. And the feet of iron and clay is Rome plus the nations, which is present day. So we see... Rome is the fourth kingdom. Rome was and still is a religious power to this day. The Roman Empire has ruled for thousands of years. We can read about the Roman rulership in the New Testament and how they crucified the Messiah. So let's start in the Gospels. So Judah, which is the southern kingdom, consists of three tribes. The tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and Levi. And collectively, they are called the Jews. So, they're in their land, and Rome is in control. Yahushua is born. King Herod is ruling. Herod was an Edomite. An Edomite is a descendant of Esau. Esau is the brother of Jacob. Now, You may be saying, what does Esau have to do with Rome? So we read in Jasher chapter 61, verses 23 through 34. I know a lot of people, especially Christians, don't like the apocryphal books. But I beseech thee to read it. You will learn a lot and it's full of information. So in those verses, we read that the children of Kittim, which is Rome, made Zepho king over them. Zepho was the grandson of Esau, 
And that's in Genesis 36:11. Esau mixed with Rome. Therefore, Esau is Rome. Esau mixed mixed in with many nations, especially the line of Japheth, the Gentile nations. So, let's get back to Herod. Herod is an Edomite, and this makes sense, being the fourth kingdom and whatnot. So remember, Rome is the fourth kingdom, and Rome is a part of the fifth kingdom, which is in authority in these last days. It's prophecy that Esau would be ruling the earth at the end of this age. Isaac also told Esau that he would basically live by killing others. Rome, the Gentiles, especially the Gentiles of Japheth, that Esau mixed with have been slaughtering people throughout the centuries, especially the children of Israel. They have killed many leaders and taken their land and resources. We read in Second Ezra 6 and 9, it says, For Esau is the end of the world, and Jacob is the beginning of that which follows. Genesis 27 verses 39 and 40. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above, and by your sword shall you live. We also know in scripture that Esau has had a hatred for his brother Jacob since he got the blessing of the firstborn. And you can read that in Genesis 25 verses 23 through 34. And Genesis 27, verse 41. Ezekiel 5, verses 1 through 5. Moreover, the word of Yahuwah came unto me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir. Mount Seir is Esau, is Edom. Prophesy against it, and say unto it, Thus said Yahuwah, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee. I will stretch out my hand against you, and I will make you most desolate. I will lay your cities waste, and you shall be desolate, and you shall know that I am Yahuwah, because you have had a perpetual hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. So we see that Esau has had a perpetual hatred for Jacob. Perpetual means never ending, never changing. So Esau has been killing the children of Israel for quite some time. So back to King Herod. Again, he was an Edomite. And he indeed, just like his his great granddad, his kinfolk Esau now, he killed Israelite baby boys looking for Yahusha when he was born because Yahusha is king of the Jews and he felt threatened by that. Also, throughout this history in the Gospels, we read about the Pharisees. Were the Pharisees blood-born Israelites? Let's see what John 8 and 33 says. And it reads, They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? So two things stick out to me in this verse. They said, we be Abraham's seed. 
We know that Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac, but Isaac was the son of the promise. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Okay. So it's between Jacob and Esau. They said, we never been in bondage to any man, meaning they never been in slavery or been captive or served any other nation. Now we know in the Old Testament, Israel was in and out of captivity. They served many nations. And we can read about that in the book of Judges and the prophets. Israel was in the Babylonian, the Egyptian, Assyrian captivity, and etc. So this tells us that these Pharisees were not the seed of the promise, which was to Jacob. So this means that the Pharisees are the bloodline of Esau. They were converts. They knew the Torah the law, and they added their own laws and traditions to it. So these same Pharisees hated, conspired, and lied on Yahushua. They persuaded the bloodline Jews to agree to have him crucified. They are just like their father Esau. So during this time, the Roman Caesars, um, at the birth and the life of Yahushua, were Augustus, you can find that in Luke 2 and 1, and Tiberius in Luke 3 and 1. So we're looking at a time period between 14 AD and 37 AD. Fast forward to the book of Acts. Claudius is now ruling, and you can find that in Acts 11 and verse 22. So this is around 54 AD. We learn about the first century believers and what they call themselves. And guess what, y'all? They didn't call themselves Christians. They were called followers of the way. What did Yahushua say in John 14 and 6? Yahushua said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Yahushua is the way to the Father. He is our example in how we should live our life. His life consisted of doing the will of the Father. And we should put our wills to the side and do what is pleasing to the Most High and do what He is pressing us to do. Yahushua kept the law. In Matthew 5 verses 16 and 17, it says, think not, and this is the Messiah speaking, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the Torah or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So he said he didn't come to destroy meaning to do away or to abolish. He came to fulfill the law, meaning he came to fulfill the prophecies that spoke of his burial, death, and his birth. I said that all out of order, but y'all know. Anywho, he has not fulfilled all prophecies concerning him. And i give you two examples. Number one, the regathering of Israel from all nations at his second coming. Two, 
judgment has not been executed on the nations. Therefore, all hasn't been fulfilled. And we can read um, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The real children of Israel are still scattered. He also said all had to be fulfilled. All hasn't been fulfilled. Heaven and earth still here. He ain't came back yet. and His people still scattered. So what does that mean? We still have to keep the commandments. But most Christians believe we don't have to keep the law. Their famous line is, oh, Jesus nailed it to the cross. The law or the Torah simply means instructions, do's and don'ts. I always hear, there's 613 laws. You keeping all of them? No one can keep the law. That's impossible. Only Jesus can keep the law. But is that true? They love to say Israel couldn't even keep the law. First of all, Israel just didn't want to do what the Most High asked. They didn't want to keep the law. Secondly, all 613 laws didn't apply to everybody. Some applied to priests. Some applied to women, men, um, how to keep the land, the farmers and whatnot, and lepers and judges. You only keep those that apply to you. It's simple. I'm a woman. Therefore, I wouldn't keep the laws concerning a man or concerning somebody uh, a priest or whatever. I will only keep the laws that apply to me and the moral laws, right? It ain't that hard. Just keep those that apply to you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and 13, it says the whole duty of man is to keep the commandments and fear Yah. Revelation 14 and 12 tells us to keep the commandments and have faith in Yahushua. Revelation 22 and 14 tells us that those who keep the commandments are blessed and have a right to the tree of life and will enter into the new Jerusalem. Revelation 12 and 17 tells us that the dragon makes war with the remnant of those who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Yahushua. So we clearly see the commandments are to be kept. The commandments are not hard. 1 John 5 and 3 tells us that we show the Most High we love Him by keeping His commandments. Every Christian I know quotes Philippians 4 and 13. They can do all things through Christ, but apparently they can't keep the commandments, but they can do everything else through Christ. Moving on, I'm sorry if I sound aggressive. It just irks me the thing that people say and they don't realize they're going against the Most High. But anywho, let me continue. If Yahushua is our example, and we are to live life like he did, and he kept the law, why would those who profess him not do the same? So we see that the followers of the way live their life as Yahushua walked. You can read through the book of Acts and see they kept the Sabbath. 
the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And all this was after Yahushua resurrected. And we're still living after he resurrected, so why would we not be keeping those feast days? Anywho, let's get into some scriptures referring to the way. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts 19 and 23. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Acts 24, verse 14. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance, that is in in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. So, we read in Acts chapter 11 verse 26 that followers of the way that and the disciples were called Christians at Antioch. Now, Antioch was a city within the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire territory. So we see that it was in Rome that followers of the way or followers of Mashiach are now called Christians. Messiah never said anything about making people Christians, but he did tell the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that Christians, you know, they say Christian means to be a follower of Christ. I get that. But why did you have to change the name? Why couldn't they just let it be followers of the way or just call you a disciple? Why the whole name change? You're given a whole different title now. I believe the name change was a beginning of changing the way to the father. So let's talk church. When most people hear church, they tend to think of a physical building, or at least I did for a number of years. But according to the scriptures, church is the people, a congregation. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, before he stoned to death, he gives a history, Israel's history, right? And in verse 38, it reads, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give to us. So we see this church in the wilderness can only be Israel, but not Israel alone. Israel with other nations or strangers. Remember, there was a mixed multitude when they came out of Egypt and together they were a congregation or an assembly. The strangers had to abide by the laws 
to live among Israel. In the strong concordance, we see that church translates from ecclesia, a called out assembly. Was not Israel called out among all nations to be a nation above all nations, ruling the nations? In Exodus 19, 5 and 6, it reads, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of Yahuwah, your Elohim, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that Yahuwah, your Elohim, will set you on high above all nations of the earth. To be called out is to be set apart. What made Israel set apart from other nations? One, their God or their Elohim was the true living almighty God. Uh, Psalms 95 and verse 5 tells us that all the gods of the nations are idols. Number two, the Most High only knew Israel and he chose Israel to be his people. Amos chapter 3 and verse 2 reads, Hear this, hear this word that Yahuwah has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up out of the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for your iniquities. In Psalms 147 verses 19 and 20, it reads, He showed his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He have not dealt so with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. Hallelujah. So, and number three, he gave them his Torah, the law, meaning he gave them instructions on how to live, which was to be set apart from all nations. He gave them commandments, feast days. He uh, told them how to live on their land. He gave them dietary laws. He even told them how to dress. These things made them set apart. They were to be an example to the nations to make Yah known, to walk in the light of Yahuwah and not in the ways of the nations. So we see that the, the body, the people, they met in each other's homes, probably backyards, park. They even had synagogues. They had a meeting place. But today, it seems like the church is just a building. It's not about a physical church building. You have a lot of people, a lot of these pastors, who will look down on you for not coming to a building every Sunday. They base your, they base your walk with the Most High Offer your attendance every Sunday. Followers of the way, or now Christians, were persecuted during this time. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22, 
about Nero. Nero goes down in history as one of the most brutal and sadistic Caesars of all time. He ruled from 54 AD to 68 AD. In 69 AD, Emperor Vespasian pulls up on the scene. The following year, in 70 AD, Jerusalem is destroyed by Rome, just as the Messiah prophesied in Luke 21, verses 20 through 24. And it says, When you shall see Jerusalem surrounded with armies, the Roman armies, then know that the desolation of Jerusalem therefore is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Many fled to Africa, and many fled to other nations, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Meaning in the Old Testament, verse 23, But woe unto them, that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. What people? The people who broke the covenant, Israel, the southern kingdom. They said the blood of the Messiah would be on them and their children when they had him crucified. Verse 24, They shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led captive into all nations. Who? Judah, the southern kingdom. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The destruction of Jerusalem and the temple was led by Titus. They took the holy things in the temple and our scriptures back to Rome. So, the southern kingdom is now scattered. It's recorded that some fled to Babylon, um, Spain, Africa, mostly the west coast of Africa. In Isaiah 11 and 11, it reads, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left of Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, which is Babylon, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. That's worldwide, the islands, that's everywhere. So, we see that his people will be scattered worldwide. Keep that in mind as we go along. So, let's fast forward to the 3rd century. In 306, Constantine is on the throne. He's ruling up until 337. During his reign, these are some of the things that occurred. In 313, the Edict of Milan adopted Christianity within the Roman Empire. 321, the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday. Sabbath was a law instituted by the Most High from the beginning, and it was a commandment for Israel to keep Sabbath. Again, this made them set apart. 
Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 tells us that he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. Again, he changed the Sabbath. This is him changing the laws just as prophesied in the book of Daniel. In 325, the Council of Nicaea. At Nicaea, it was Constantine's intention to make a new god for his empire to unify all religious groups under one deity. The choices were Caesar, Krishna, Mithra, Horus, and Zeus. His final decision was Jesus Krishna, which is Jesus Christ. The Hebrew Messiah's name is Yahusha Hamashiach. You change the name, you change the identity and the origins of that person. The Messiah was no longer a Hebrew savior. They changed him into a Roman God. At the same council, it was declared that Easter should be observed the first Sunday after the full moon after the spring equinox, which is March 21st. Easter is the celebration of Ishtar, a Babylonian and Assyrian goddess of sex and fertility. The rabbits, the rabbits, the rabbits and eggs are symbols of Ishtar. It has nothing to do with the Messiah or his resurrection as we're as we've been told for years. Essentially, the celebration of Easter was rebranded to represent Yahusha's resurre resurrection. Why couldn't they just celebrate Passover and the Lord's Supper? Moving on. In 336, Christmas is celebrated in Rome. It is documented that no one knows when Yahushua was born, yet Christianity chose December 25th. Nowhere in scriptures did the disciples celebrate Christ's birth. December 25th is the celebration of Sol Invictus, the sun god, a Roman god. During this time, Saturnalia, a Roman festival, is also celebrated. And guess what they did, y'all? They gathered together and exchanged gifts, just like our people do on Christmas today. So, instead of keeping the holy days that the Most High gave, like Passover and Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah, even Yahusha kept Hanukkah, that's in John chapter 10, verse 22, the feast days were to remember all that the Most High did for his people. But we're seeing that under Constantine, that's becoming a distant memory because they're replacing it with something else. So in 380, Christianity becomes the official Roman religion. So we see under Constantine's rule, Christianity began to be mixed with paganism. In my opinion, once the name of the followers of Yahusha changed, it gave a door for deception to come in. Now, the Roman Empire consisted of the Western Empire and the um, Eastern Empire. The Western Empire fell in 476 AD, but was revived. 
In 800 AD, Charlemagne became the Western Roman Emperor by Pope Leo III. This was the beginning of the Holy Roman Empire. Let's talk about the popes. So, what does Pope mean? It means Father. Catholics and Christians, well, Catholics are Christians. They call the Pope Holy Father. What's interesting is what Matthew 23 and 9 tells us. And this is coming from Yahushua. And he says, Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father in heaven. Yet, here we are on earth, and people are calling the Pope Holy Father. And again, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High. Now, in my opinion, for a, a mortal man to call himself Holy Father, and knowing what the scripture says is blatant disrespect to the Most High. And it's opposite, complete contrary to what the Messiah said. But yet, they do it anyway. The title of the Pope is the Vicar of Christ. Meaning, the Pope stands in the place of Yahushua and has the same authority as Yahushua does over the body of believers. So let's recap real quick. Christians were originally called followers of the way, keeping the commandments and having faith in Yahushua. Then Constantine integrates Easter and Christmas, changed the Sabbath day, and now Christians at this point in history have a leader that calls himself Holy Father and Son of the Most High. This sounds antichrist to me. I don't know about to you. But it sounds anti-Christ, anti-God. That's what it sounds like to me. Let's talk about the Crusades. The Crusades happened between 1095 and 1291. Pope Urban II started the Crusade movement. The purpose of the Crusades were to reclaim the Holy Land in the so-called Middle East from the Muslims. Now, these crusades claimed the lives of many Muslims, as the old folks say, many Muslims, Jews, and non-Christians. Remember what Luke 21 and 24 said? How Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until their time be fulfilled? Everyone who was in Jerusalem today in 2022 and has been in Jerusalem has been Gentile nations because the real children of Israel are scattered until the second coming of Messiah. Why are these Gentiles fighting over this land that they don't have any roots in? They don't have any connection to it. So why do you want the land so bad? Hmm. So remember earlier we discussed how Southern Kingdom, they fled into countries uh, different countries after Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. Before the destruction in Jerusalem um, that year, the 12 tribes of Israel were already scattered. They were scattered a little bit of everywhere in the Eastern world. The Northern Kingdom, 10 tribes, they never came back to their land. 
And some of the Jews stayed in Babylon, some stayed in Persia after the captivities were over. And a remnant went into Spain after the Babylonian captivity. It's interesting to me that there's a whole chapter missing out of the book of Acts, and that's chapter 29. And it talks about Paul's trip to Spain and Britain. You can find that in the um, Sefer Bible, or the Sefer, however you want to pronounce that. I wonder why they took that out of Scripture. I hope you will read it. Because he was going to see his brethren, fellow Israelites. And they didn't want us to know that, you know, Israel was in Spain. Hmm. So, in the history of the Jews and the Jews and Moors in Spain, there are two books I've read, and they document the appearance and the lineage of the Jews living in Spain and Portugal. They were described as swarthy, and swarthy means dark complexion or dark skin, which brings me to the Inquisitions. The Inquisitions were set up to rid heresy through Europe and the Americas. Jews and Muslims were the main targets during these inquisitions. They were persecuted, tortured, and killed for not converting to Christianity. Now that doesn't sound Christ-like at all, but anywho. In 1452, Pope Nicholas V issued Dumb Diverses. It gave Alfonso V of Portugal the permission to search out and capture Muslims, pagans, and non-Christians to put them into perpetual servitude. The Dumb Diverses is credited for ushering in the West African slave trade. Many Jews in Portugal fled into um, West Africa. So, in 1478, Pope Sixtus IV established the Spanish Inquisition on behalf of King Fernandad and Queen Isabella. In 1492, the Catholic monarchs, the King and Queen, Fernandad and Isabella, expelled the Jews who refused to convert to Christianity. As a result, these Jews fled into Africa just as the Portuguese uh, Jews did. Some Jews also fled into Italy, Turkey, and Greece. The king and queen also sponsored Columbus, Christopher Columbus, to sail the ocean blue. We all know the story. This expanded Spain's territory and the New World. In 1542, Pope Paul III launched an inquisition to stop the spread of the Protestant movement. The Protestants were Christians that didn't believe in the papal authority or their doctrines and all that good stuff. Protestantism is where we get all the Christian denominations that we have today, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Adventists, the Pentecostals, and etc. In 1582, Pope Gregory XIII changed the calendar from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. The Julian calendar was introduced by Julius Caesar in 45 BC. 
which brings me back again to Daniel chapter 7 and 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times. So now they're changing our calendar. And I don't know if y'all have heard, but um, apparently in Ethiopia, it's like 2014 or 2015 over there. There's, we're seven years ahead of them. Let's fast forward to the 16th century. The transatlantic slave trade begins. Remember, the papal bull of dumb diverses is credited for ushering in the West African slave trade. These slaves were taken from the west coast of Africa, where the dark-skinned Jews of Spain and Portugal fled after their expulsion, right? And also, Israel fled into Africa and settled on the west coast. If you look at old maps, you will see a region called Negroland, and on the coast, the slave coast, you will see where it says the tribe of Judah. This was prophesied throughout the Old Testament that Israel would be scattered into all nations and Judah would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. Up till the 16th century, Israel had been scattered everywhere except the New World. Deuteronomy 28 and 68 tells us that Israel will be put into ships and go back into bondage. This slave trade was a fulfillment of that prophecy through the Roman Empire. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and wear out the saints of the Most High. Psalms 148, verses 14. He has raised up a horn for his people, and the praise of all his saints of Israel, a people near unto him. Hallelujah. Psalms 50 and verse 5. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. This is Israel. Daniel 7 and 25 said, This fourth kingdom will wear out the saints of the Most High. To wear out means to oppress, to harass continually. Israel was oppressed, persecuted, and all nations they went. It was part of the Deuteronomy 28 curses. The first slave ship arrived in Virginia in 1619. The slave masters oppressed our ancestors. They put yokes of iron on their necks. They worked them from sun up to sun down. They split up their families. They sold their children to other slave masters. They raped our women, raped our men. We planted their vineyards and didn't eat anything from it. We built houses and didn't live in it. Well, the, the, the house Negro did, but you know what I mean. They knew exactly who our ancestors were. And they know who we are today. They stripped us of our God, stripped us of our culture, our book. Our ancestors were forced to convert to Christianity when they got to the Americas and the UK and the Caribbean and all the nations that they scattered us to. And we are still oppressed to this day, being gunned down in the streets, gunned down in the grocery stores, 
gunned down at church. We kill one another. Our men and our women are against each other. We are truly a divided nation. We're divided among ourselves. But our people are waking up to who we are. And we're returning back to the Most High. We're realizing the sin of our ancestors and our sins. We know that we had to endure the consequences of these curses. Because our ancestors broke the covenant that they made with the Most High. Even the Gentiles are waking up to who African Americans are. In 2019, Donald Trump signed H.R. 1242, 400 Years of African American Commission Act, commemorating the 400th anniversary of the arrival of Africans in the English colonies at Point Comfort, Virginia in 1619. This is a fulfillment of Genesis 15, 13. The 400 years are over. Why do you think the world is the way that it is now? There's a darkness over the earth. Judgment is coming. Judgment is here. The Most High is about to reveal His chosen. He's about to reveal His hidden ones and the nations that scattered us, that plotted against us, are about to be judged. So, the question I asked in the beginning, is Christianity of the Most High? I'll give my thoughts on it. Christianity is nothing but truth mixed with lies, which equals deception. Hebrew scriptures mixed with pagan practices and celebrations. Christians have persecuted and killed many for not having the same beliefs. The Roman Empire used its authority to dominate and control the world through Christianity. That doesn't sound like the most high to me. Daniel chapter 7 verse 23 Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. And Rome sure enough did that. But I do believe the Most High meets us where we are. You won't be held accountable for what you don't know. But you will be accountable for what you do know and what you are aware of. Many are still in Christianity calling on the name of Jesus, unaware of this information. Yet, he is answering their prayers. Just as he answered ours before coming into this truth. He awakens us all at different times. So many people read the Bible but rely on man's interpretation of the scriptures. Many don't read the scriptures at all. When you read the Bible, you must know who is who and read it in context. Scripture does not contradict itself at all. The contradictions come when you take verses out of context and it gives you a false interpretation. 
precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. When you do not rightly divide the word, it gives you false interpretation. And you are calling the most high a liar. And we all know that he can't lie. But one good thing the Roman Empire did was spread the scriptures, the word, throughout all nations. Now it's up to everyone individually to read and study for yourself to sort through the doctrines, the pagan practices, and the lies that have mi- have been mixed in with the truth. That's on you. You have to seek the truth. You have to seek the Most High's face. You have to be led by His Spirit when you're in these scriptures. So I'll leave you with some things to think about. Have you ever thought about why all the world leaders visit the Pope? Second thing, is it possible that Satan deceived the whole world as stated in Revelation 12 and 9 through the Roman Empire and its religion of Christianity? And thirdly, do you think the Father and Son are pleased with how Christianity started and the violence that has happened throughout history on their part. Search out these things for yourself. Take it to the Most High and be led by His Spirit and not your feelings. Until next time, Shalom.